Welcome to the God's Goodness Podcast, where our mission is to encourage as well as highlight God's goodness and modern-day miracles. We are your hosts, Josh and Shelley Hankins. Today we have with us a special guest. We actually met through a leadership conference in, in last November, and Ian was the one who introduced us. Ian was our episode. It's actually ranking third place now. It's called Choose Whom You Will Serve. Mm. So we brought Connor Wilson with us to the show today, and he's going to guide us in an opening prayer. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Father God, we give thanks for getting to be here, get to share your message, share your good word. We are honored, and we just ask that the Holy Spirit guide our thoughts and our words and our message today to be able to impact one. And if we can impact one, then we could impact many. We give thanks for all the glory, all the amazing things that you have done in our lives. And we are excited to share the gospel and share the good news today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 So where would you like to start, Connor? Well, Genesis, right? Chapter, no. <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning, <laughs> God created man. So one of the main things on my heart that I wanted to share and um, is the, I mean, there's so much, but growing up, I'll just start with my beginning, kind of a little bit of my background, and then we'll evolve this conversation wherever, you know, the spirit takes us. Yeah, sure. let us get to know you. Yeah. So growing up, humble times, I think as Ian said, and just a lot of chaos. There was um, a lot of addiction in my family amongst parents, cousins, uncles. It was just inundated in my whole family and in my whole experience. So growing up under chaos, I learned how to be vigilant, how to survive. And an important lesson that I feel that I learned about trauma is when you don't have somebody safe to connect with and to share it with, that's when we start to embody that trauma. So that's why sometimes I feel like some people come back from war and they experience extremely severe PTSD where others come home and they are able to resume a normal life. I do feel that it is in part because of people's ability to connect and cope and share and kind of talk their way through and to resolve that trauma. You know, you don't know this yet, but the podcast we recorded just before this episode, which releases next week, he talked about PTS, John Kolb, and mm -hmm. that what he said was they were like soldiers. They had a mission. And then when they come home, there's no focus, mm -hmm. you know, like they need no that purpose. purpose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and then I hear a lot of soldiers will come home and they'll say, or physically they're home, but mentally they're still on the battleground. They're still at war. And it's it's probably very challenging to come back and resume the normal day-to-day -day where what they just experienced was mm -hmm. something far more just amplifying. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone here has no idea. Right. They're looking around at people that are going around their daily lives as if nothing has happened. And for them, everything has happened. Mm -hmm. And they have to try to pretend like nothing has happened so they can fit in with society. Right. That's tough. Oh, I can only imagine. I never went overseas, praise, but we give thanks and gratitude for everybody who has served our country. Absolutely. And so I say all this to say that I feel like in my home life, I never had someone a safe space to for an outlet, somebody to connect with. And I feel like that's vitally important for a child to at least have somebody safe to talk about these things. I didn't learn this until way later on when I went to my first therapy session when I was in my 20s. And this was the first time that I completely got everything off my chest. I told him everything. And he told me something very important. He told me when we carry a lot of these things, can think about it as luggage. And so we're carrying on this baggage and it starts to compile and compile. But then when we're able to talk to somebody safe, it's like that person metaphorically is carrying that luggage with you. So you're carrying a, a little bit less, more, less weight as you begin to be able to open up, as you're able to connect and express yourself authentically and transparently. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I saw this counselor a million times after that, but I saw him just a couple of times and that message always stuck with me. So going into young, early adult years, I felt that I was on the path of least resistance. I was going with the current of life, the way that society wants a lot of boys to go, whether it be partying, addiction, you name it. I was on it. Pornography, 
um, struggled with that. And ultimately, I just felt like I was missing the, the manual for life. I always remember telling people, like, I'm looking for something. I don't know what. I'm searching, but I just, like, I don't know what. And so... A lot of people are searching, but they don't realize they're searching, mm -hmm. you know? They have that whole H-O-L-E, mm. but they need to find Jesus to make them whole with mm -hmm. the W-H-O-L-E. Mm. Yeah, I love that. It's a yearning, right? It's yeah. a... You're looking for something craving. more. Yeah. Like what is out there that I'm missing? Mm -hmm. Well, we're, we're created spiritual beings for relationship. And a lot of people, and you'll hear celebrities and whatnot, you know, tote that we're spiritual beings, but mm -hmm. so is the enemy, right? And we will crave a spiritual relationship now, God wants that with us, but if we're not careful, we'll get that spiritual relationship from something, anything else, just because our bodies long to be reunited spiritually with a father figure. Mm -hmm. Well said. Well said. I feel like for me in my addiction, it was it was a false God. It was, it was the only escape that I could find that it, it was almost like I was looking for a spiritual experience through these false drugs, something artificial like alcohol. It was nothing too crazy, but it was enough to to dance with the devil a little bit. Mm -hmm. So this was going on until like I went to college to basically to chase a girl. I chose my major because I liked CSI. So I thought forensic science would be good for me. That just goes to show how aimless I was. And so quickly I realized that I was very out of place and dropped out, started to it would progressively dig deeper and deeper into this hole until I got into a car accident. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that an angel saved my life in this car accident. It just wrapped its arms around my shoulders and I walked out of this unscathed. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in the ambulance and I remember feeling like a part of me died. Mm -hmm. Like it was the biggest relief of my life because I knew that I have to change. This is the way that this what the direction is taking me is death institutions or jails so when you had this revelation in the back of a, a boo boo bus mm -hmm. did you have a relationship with jesus at that moment did you even know who he was not at all not at all grew up catholic but i think through osmosis my parents didn't practice i never saw them reading a bible we never would talk about the word after church, it was just something that we did to check a box. Mm -hmm. And so I think I just caught that and was never taught that. So my relationship with Jesus came a little bit later. It seems like he was pursuing you, though. Mm -hmm. Always. And as soon as you take a step towards him, he's running towards you, huh? And yeah. so after that car accident, I just I remember listening to the song Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. And for the first time, it felt like the song was directly speaking to me. It was saying that I could be someone. I felt like life could have very easily have just been taken from me in that moment. Like all the signs, like it could have very easily have been the, the end for me. So it was just as I started to understand that I'm here for a purpose. And although I haven't figured it out yet, like I want to be here and I want to start taking steps towards bettering myself, my relationship with drugs and alcohol. And so as that continued to evolve, what ultimately got me into recovery this time around and this time which stuck was a Bible verse that jumped off the Bible to me and resonated in my core. And could I share that? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's Romans 12. And Romans 12 goes, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. That is truly the way to worship him. And that just jumped off the page of me because what it was, is was it was an invitation. It was an invitation to, to something that I'm, I'm able to do something that's not out of my reach. It's not something that he's not asking me to do anything extraordinary. It's to present my body as a living sacrifice. And after all the, the trauma and the struggle with addiction, I realized that it, the Holy Spirit was working in me this whole time of saying, just let go, just let go. Let go and let God. Let go, let God, give it to me. 
And if you give it to him, he'll take it. It's uh, like that the line from the movie Matrix, and he tells Neo to stop trying to hit him and just hit him. Mm. Right? Stop trying so hard and just do it. Mm. Right? Don't try to please me. Just be. Mm. Right? Just give yourself to me. Stop trying so hard to run in circles. Just let it go. That's what it reminds me of. I, mean, I think it's something so hard for many of us because we're very action-oriented people and a lot of us do come from trauma or broken homes or brokenness that we feel that we need to do something to win approval. Mm. And we forget that while we were still sinners that he sent his son for us, mm. right? That he didn't wait for us to be all fixed up, brand new, buffed out and shiny, rolling off the lot, right? Mm. He, didn't, he didn't wait for that. He, he saw us in that farm field rusting out, you know, and he's like, that, that right there, that's my child. And, you know, he's got this mission of fixing you all up and it's up to us to trust him in the process. That's where I am right now. I'm just got like seven different colors and rag for a gas cap, but the engine works and it's solid, you know, it's roadworthy, <laughs> just not real pretty. Some lipstick and rouge. Yeah. No, I love that. And we're talking the matrix now. So this podcast is officially rolling. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the definitions of addiction that really like struck out to me and resonates with me is a uh, addiction is progressive narrowing of the things that bring you pleasure. And so when you look at Maslow's hierarchy needs, you got it. Anybody who you've ever seen who is deep in addiction, we start to realize that everything from their physiological needs, their their food, water, shelter, clothing, sleep it starts to become a second thought the priority and it, it's like a hijacking of the mind from the enemy and we start to prioritize getting our drug before anything else and so it's just interesting when you think of like somebody who was homeless and they start to lose themselves in order to just get the drug that they're looking for so yeah anyway that was a little tangent Happens to me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice though. I feel I feel relaxed. I feel like I'm I'm grateful that we can I'm just kinda talking off the cup. Like it's grateful that it's nice that you can edit it and you can kinda work through it. It's my one of my first podcast experiences. So Well, I'm glad to have you here. Yeah, I'm honored. Glad to finally meet you. Yeah, me too. So what is it you do now? Yeah. So right now I am working as a recovery coach and a health coach to help people to achieve long-term recovery and sobriety. And ultimately I feel it's a disservice in the recovery community to not prioritize physical health and mental health as well. So I try to put all those pieces together to help someone achieve wholeness and to be able to let go and let God work in a direction that's in alignment with God's will. So the the number of addicts that I have run across, I'm an EMT and I've seen my fair share. How difficult is it to try and help or, or as you say, be a coach for somebody that doesn't want to be honest because of the guilt and shame that they're laying on themselves? Because whatever reason, I'm not sure why all addicts have a propensity to lie about what they're doing, but they all do. And when you generally show them that you care, they still don't want to open up. Mm -hmm. And how difficult does it make it for you to coach them into recovery, to coach them into better habits, to coach them into a life of fulfillment with Jesus Christ and not in said activity mm -hmm. that they're addicted to? Yeah, it's extremely challenging, but honesty is step one. Be like until someone has admitted that they're powerless and they're ready to be transparent with you and honest with you, there's not much work that can be done, to be honest. That's on the man upstairs. With that said, though, it's it's a gift that I have overcome some of these things personally. I feel that pain and vulnerability is an adhesive. It brings people together. So at times it may look like leading, being the first one, say, I'll, I'll, I'll step up first and be vulnerable with you. And I think it's an invitation and it gives them the ability to be vulnerable right back. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Romans 8, 28, where he works all things together for the good. Mm. So he takes all your garbage and your mess and he turns it into your, you know, it turns that test into a testimony. Mm -hmm. And then you're able to guide people through that. And that's what he wants from us. He wants us to be able to have relationships with each other and then help each other through the things because mm -hmm. we weren't meant to be alone in all this. Oh, yeah, sure. The Bible does speak about the power of our testimony and how powerful would it would be if we didn't have one. Mm -hmm. 
And so, of course, we have to go through trials. Of course, we have to go situations. You know, I first came to Jesus. I didn't do it because I was under duress. I did it because I felt like the right thing to do. And it took me a long time to finally get to a place where I had an experience with him that really changed, that really ramped things up for me. And it was in adversity. It wasn't because, oh, it's a nice day for a barbecue. I'm going to go talk to Jesus. There's no adversity. It's everything's good, Lord. Everything's good in my pocket. And he doesn't doesn't operate that way. It's hard to have an experience with him because if we're all, all on top and we're in a good position, it's hard to say, I need you. I need to lean on you. I can't imagine life without you. When you're looking at your six-bedroom house, three bathrooms, three-car garage, and, and your kids are going to college all paid for, you know, it's hard to think about him when you're doing so well. Mm-hmm. But when you hit that the pavement, you know, and you chip your teeth and and you're struggling to stand up because your shoulder's hurting and you're just you're just down and beaten down and you're still getting beat and you start calling to him, then you, you realize the need that you absolutely have for him, which I really love. That's why we have that old law, the 613 laws, you know, well, don't shave. Like, well, I broke that a few times. <laughs> oh, pray after you eat, not before. Oh, broke that one. Mm-hmm. Don't touch anybody after you've bled. Well, I've, I've bled plenty of times and, and so I broke that one. I haven't taken care of crops. I haven't taken care of fields. I haven't, I've broken almost every one of those laws and without even knowing it. And and it's just as a, a thing that Jesus says that I, I've not come to abolish the law, but fulfill it, right? And that's fulfilled in the fact that we know that we can't do the law. We know we cannot uphold the law. And that's, it's really just a reminder that we need a savior. And that's the whole purpose of the law is to remind us that we need Jesus and it's hard for us when we're on the top and we have everything to remember. And so he has a good way of humbling us, you know, knocking us off our stools, which I very much appreciate, although not in the moments that it's happening. Yeah, there's always that, but Jesus, like, right? Like yeah. I've broken all these rules. I've done all this, but Jesus. And I've cultivated like a certain perspective in my life. I call it the bright side perspective where I ask a lot of people this question is why is one of the worst things in your life actually the best thing in your life? And it might like, granted, there's different berries and degrees to trauma. But for a lot of people, I think once they're able to get to a point where they're grateful for some of their trauma, maybe grateful for all of their trauma, that unlocks a whole new level of acceptance. It's a superpower. We're operating from a place of acceptance. I think that's really when that's good soil for the Holy Spirit to really start to work in, mm-hmm. I feel. Mm-hmm. And it also illustrates the attitude of gratitude mm-hmm. that you hear so much about. You know, do everything with thanks to God. Thanks this and thanks that. That, you know, without without gratitude, optimism means nothing. And so when you come at everything with, with a heart of gratitude, then you could be the most joyous, optimistic person with nothing. You know, Paul learned to be content through all things, right? When I'm poor and I'm rich, when I'm hungry, when I'm fed, I'm good. You know, I'm good. Why? Because he had gratitude. Give thanks to the Lord all the time in every situation. Oh, your bones sank. Praise God I didn't, right? Oh, this happened. Praise God it didn't happen to me. Praise God I'm not hungry. Praise God I won't be hungry tomorrow, right? He's always praising God, even in the worst things. Oh, you just got stoned to death. Almost. Praise God I'm still alive, right? And so it's a perspective that he had that I think most of us Christians really need to adopt. And it's not a mighty man of Jesus thing. It's a thing all Christians can embrace. It's it's men, women, children, the elderly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your demographic, doesn't matter your your physical fitness. All people that believe in Jesus can show gratitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there can't be a testimony without the test. There won't be the message without the mess that came prior to, like you said, Shelley. And I feel like it's not easy when you're in the storm to say, thank you, God. I know that there's a lesson to be learned here, but I think that's what we're inviting certain people to to think about if they are going through a storm right now. If they are going through something that that they need help with, then just what a, God, what are you trying to teach me here? Or God, I trust that there is a golden lesson to be learned on the other side of this, and I trust that. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna get through another day, or I'm gonna get through another minute, or I'm gonna get through another second. But I trust on the other side of this, there will be there will be a testimony there. When we were going through the 27 months and one week, no discernible income, it's like, we better learn the lesson from this because I don't want to go through this again. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the lessons that we learned from that was uh, receiving gifts 
and help from other people. Mm. It's like we're in this together, you know, and God would put people in our lives that helped us through that. See, I learned complete contentment. I'm content in pretty much everything. I don't care if I've got a good paying job or a poor paying job. I don't care if it, I do care if it snows because I don't like the snow. <laughs> but only because I don't like shoveling it and because when I work, I have to do more because mm -hmm. people don't drive well in the snow and people shouldn't shovel at certain physical conditions and they do anyway. Yeah. And so it causes a little bit more work for me. But for the most part, <laughs> I, I am content in, yeah. in everything. I'm content with where I am in my family. I'm content, you know, my wife wanted to do this podcast, wasn't really on my heart. I was content. And so because we're married and because I am the other half of her, you know, God called me to do this. Like, well, that means he called me to do that if we're one person, right? Mm -hmm. And I hate doing things begrudgingly, right? So it takes me a while to get motivated the correct way. You know, I do children's ministry at this church and I didn't want to do it. And the children's minister said, hey, would you be thinking about this? God really put your name on my heart and life. Of course he did. But she didn't know he did it at all the other Every church I've been to, I've done it. Every single one. I'm thinking, I'm just going to sit here and get the message and soak it up. And God's like, mm-mm, I got work for you. I'm like, come on. I feel so unprepared and, and overwhelmed with the scope. With the, And I'm always around the same age of kids, right? And right now I'm doing three to third to fifth grade. And they're just their own people. And they have their little cliques. And I don't know how to do it. <laughs> And I don't feel like I'm good at it or anything, but they always come back. They're always smiling. They're always happy. They're always excited to see me. And I'm like, I'm doing something right. Mm -hmm. Well, you're being obedient. Yeah. Begrudgingly because yeah. I prayed about it and I didn't like the answer. So I prayed about it some more and he didn't change. So I was like, well, this yeah. is it. This reminds me of that one saying, he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Mm -hmm. I'm still waiting for him to qualify me. Yeah. <laughs> it's apparently a process. If anyone ever asks you the, the the way I learn, it's always the hard way. I only learn the hard way. Yeah. You and me both. And I mean, even to speak on that, like I felt unqualified to be here or I felt I was nervous. I was anxious. I was like, and the Holy Spirit just tell me, kept just telling me, just, just go, just go trust the process, right? And it, there's so many different examples of that in our lives. You got to take that step, first step. You don't want to Give do it. Give something to bless. Jesus is pulling you along. Now, I heard a story that you were going to start a podcast at one point. True. What happened? Well, I tried to wear all the hats. I tried to do it all by myself. I didn't ask for help. I wanted to do it all. I wanted to record. I wanted to edit. I wanted to do the... I got cameras. I got lights. I set up a studio. I shot multi-camera three cameras i had it all set up and then the editing process just consumed me it took me out of the flow of setting up interviews and mm -hmm. okay. studying for interviews and I, that's like where i get like just excited i could do it for days in a row where i'm just in my zone of genius and i tried to just do everything by myself didn't ask for help teamwork makes the dream work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we don't find any. I find zero joy in doing anything with the podcast except speaking. Mm. And I don't want to know the metrics. I go over the analytics each night and it's before bed. And then I'm like, oh, and then I'll tell him the updates like, oh, we're in Africa now. And he's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't want to say I don't care, but I don't. And and it's, it sounds so insensitive, but it's just not where my heart is. And so we have some, we outsource the, the editing mm -hmm. to a guy in the Ukraine, in fact. And so props to Dima. Mm -hmm. And so I would recommend anybody that has the heart to do the part that I'm doing, mm -hmm. but zero efficiency, care, or anything for the surrounding bits to just get a team. And, you know, you're a very outspoken person. So I think that you have friends mm -hmm. and I'm sure one of your friends might want to help you, you know, just a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they might learn a little bit more about God. They might, they might transform their life in a way that they didn't expect just by them being in the room and helping. Right. And you can outsource your editing because that's super easy. You just send them a file of sound and they send it back and it's super easy. And I bet you can find one that'll do one for video mm -hmm. so that the sound matches the video. So mm -hmm. it's not like people speaking in a foreign film and it's dubbed. Mm -hmm. I was wondering about that part, but you know, you're not supposed to work, worry about the how. Mm. It's all about the who. The who. The who you know. Rearrange those letters yeah. from how and you spell, you get who. Yeah. 
It's like, who do you know that can help with this part? I don't know if you're aware, but I'm trying to encourage you to pick that up. And I am so <laughs> grateful. <laughs> and uh, Ian and I have spoken about this for years. And if you asked me for the last five years, if you could do any job in the world, what world would you do? It's always been podcaster. For me, I've, I've learned way more in the five years of listening to podcasts than I have in school or anywhere else ever. I think it's such a gift to be able to listen to people like you guys to people, doctors, anybody for free is like, what? That's unheard of. If you would have, you know, 15 years ago, you never would have believed it. Yeah. I've been listening to the Seek First CEO podcast with Heather Shriver Burns, and she's going to be a guest pretty soon. So mm -hmm. stay tuned for that. But like all this information that she's giving in these weekly podcasts or, you know, however often she puts it out, it's free. And it's like, She's sharing all this knowledge that she's gained over the years that she's invested in her, you know, education and with her clients that she coaches. She's a coach and for free. I'm like, ooh, what can, what nugget can I get from her this week? You know, so I can totally appreciate that. It's unbelievable. And I think one of the reasons why I backed out from the podcast the first time around, because I had all my eggs in one basket, I wanted it to be everything immediately instead of doing it for the love of mm -hmm. doing it the love of the game the love of connection the love of mm -hmm. serving in any way i think if you approach it the same way you approach addiction coaching or recovery coaching knowing full well it's it's like lifting weights you can't start with the biggest don't expect to walk out of the gym in a month looking ripped right sometimes it takes two years to get to to a level that you like to see that you want to see but it doesn't start unless you take that first step and and you got to start small you can't start big because it's too much, right? But if you start small, you develop the muscles. You develop the mental awareness, the muscle memory to be able to do something without thinking about it. And then it becomes a lot easier. And so, again, I want to encourage you to just to take those little steps mm -hmm. because she's, she's the same way. She's expecting these big results. And I'm like, it took uh, Abraham how long to have his son? Like, God laid this on your heart. Well, guess what he laid on Abraham's heart, mm -hmm. right? And so... Like, I don't expect this thing, but eventually what's going to happen is is he's going to take it and it's, your metric is going to go whoop and then it's going to go whoop and it's just going to, it's going to take off like an airplane off an aircraft carrier. She's going to jet up there, but it's a slow start at first. And, and like a plane and aircraft carrier, it seems scary to take off because it's up and down in these 30 foot swells and, and it's like pitching left and right. And you're like, oh, you'd be crazy to leave this. This is secure. This is, you know, it's a scary out here, but this is secure. Like if I let go... What's it going to look like? And so here we are at this position where you're at that, that you're in the cockpit, right? You're, you, you know how to do it. You know how to fly it. You know how to do all this. But your problem is you think you have to be the air traffic controller. You have to be the guy on the ground. You have to be the guy that launches you. You got to be the guy that fueled the plane, that checks the plane, right? But you don't have, you just have to fly the plane, man. <laughs> That's all you got to yeah. do. You can find a team to do all the other stuff for you. Just fly the plane. Yeah. Uh, it won't go anywhere without you. And Ian and I are planning on, if uh, for those of you who haven't listened to the podcast with Ian Reith, this man walks the walk and talks the talk. He is on the outside of the podcast studio. He is authentic and as loving and as professional as he is inside the podcast studio. So I just urge you guys, if you haven't listened to the episode with Ian, go check that one out right after this. For sure. Yeah, Ian's, Ian's a quality person. Mm -hmm. I've, I've sl slowly started going to meetings with him and, and my wife instead of just him and her going to like the, the what is it, the coffee beanery? What is that place? La Bella Bean. That's La Bella it. Bean. That's it. They're all the same to me. <laughs> He's like, what is this about? What are you guys talking about? Because I'll always get some nugget of information when I talk to him mm -hmm. or Jen O'Donnell. Mm -hmm. Oh, golden nuggets. And I write it down. And when I take action on those little nuggets that each of them give me, magical things happen mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, so I'm 100% in her corner, but it takes me a while to get interested in what she's interested in. So I'm, I'm slowly starting to get there. It takes a little <laughs> bit, you know. But again, it doesn't just happen. I'm not taking these giant strides. I'm just easing myself in and, and slowly coming up. And He's like, this podcast isn't going away. No. It's just, <laughs> yeah. She's definitely committed to it. And, and I don't mind speaking and I don't mind sharing my experiences and my insights, my encouragement. You know, I'm not built to be a pastor. I'm not built to be somebody that's supposed to speak to the masses. And so this setting here, even though I'm speaking to the masses, I'm really just speaking to you two, right? 
And it's so much easier for me to give into the gifts that he has given me, like encouragement. It's easy for me to focus on the, the things when I hear someone hurting in their voice and then they tell me and, and I, have, I have an easier time of figuring out the best way to encourage them. And I don't know why exactly. I have a suspicion, you know, the Holy Father, but I don't know do like why do I have that inclination? I clearly have gift for healing. I've I've, I've seen healing multiple times. I appreciate um, that one. And obviously, it's always for the glory of God. It's nothing that I do. It's it's clearly Him working through me. I'm stunned every time, mm-hmm. like stunned. It's not like I expect it. And it's an amazing thing to give into your gifts. And I think Ian actually spoke to us about something he's working on and trying to figure out the purpose for people. And you figure out your gifts, mm-hmm. and that's another thing you could probably reach out to Ian yeah, about the and, purpose and, process. Yeah, yeah. And he can, he can definitely help you out with that too. Cause I know that he's working with that and in a process with that. Yeah. And that could really help people out with the purpose process. Yeah. And I've gone through it. It's legit. I mean, it's, you're going through all the skeletons in your closet. You're going through your whole past. And he says, your purpose is often there. Your purpose often leaves clues in your life. Some of the impactful moments that we've overcome experienced and he will go through all of these impactful experiences and end up crafting a mission statement or a purpose statement. And mine was to create a brighter and more connected future. Hmm. There's something about the thought of when you go out into the world and a lot of people are just pessimistic about the state of the world. There's some shit going on. But at the end of the day, I tried to stay informed, but I seek out content that is of like people doing heroic things, random acts of Mm -hmm. kindness. I'm filled with this kind of content where the world that I see and the world that other people see are different. A lot of people will go to what's wrong with the world. There's a lot of things, but we're still here. We're still coexisting. There's still people coming to Christ. There's still people that are, I think Christianity is spreading like wildfire right now. That's just the world that I choose to live in. And I believe that at my core. Yeah, see, I'm, I feel that the world is definitely in a bad state. And I don't by any means think it's the end all of times, but I do believe it's on the way, right? I do believe that it's the beginnings of the labor pains and like labor, you, your contractions are going to get closer and closer and closer. But I don't have any idea how many years that's going to take, mm-hmm. right? When people are like, oh, this is it. I'm like, I don't think you understand <laughs> like the calamity of which John wrote about. I don't think you really understand the magnitude of how bad it's going to get. Like this is, I can still go get a donut after this. I can still go get coffee at a flat. I can still go and, and put gas in my car. Like you guys don't understand. I still have food for my family. You guys do not understand how bad it's going to get. Mm-hmm. Right. So don't, I don't focus on that. I try not to focus on it. I do see it's bad. I just try to be not a reason to add to the bad. Mm. And that is, that's, I don't, I don't try to like build up people like this guy's so great. Look at him doing this. I don't even look at that. I just have to be the best person that God made me to be. And and I try not to add to somebody's strife in this world. And if I hold the door open for somebody, or if I give them a couple of dollars for a drink while we're standing in line, they forgot their wallet. You know, I don't, what is that? That's nothing. Right. But it's another way of them thinking that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's ultimately how we're to treat people, not just with love, but, you know, we're built for relationship. And if someone feels alone, then I'm failing, right? And if I'm walking to somebody, and, and again, I told you I'm really good at reading facial cues and someone might have like something going on, I'll always ask. I'll always ask, is there something wrong? Are you okay? And most of the time they don't know up and I'll just press them because that's like, no, there's something like you're not hiding that from me. And uh, she knows I'm good at that. I'm curious with you, Josh, is this something that's been cultivated or is this something because you, you've mentioned the importance of relationships a couple of times. I'm curious if you if this is new that, that came with your faith or if this is something that you feel like has been with you for. No, this is definitely something that came with my faith. This is not one before this. I'm, I don't even have any friends, really, because of object permanence that ADHDers have is if I don't look at something, I forget it. So I don't call people. I don't ever reach out. So you have to be the bigger person and call me every time, right? It doesn't mean I don't want to hang out. It doesn't mean I don't think about you. It just means I'll think about you at inappropriate times, like two o'clock in the morning when I'm hauling somebody out of their house and putting them on the back of the ambulance. I'm like, oh, I wonder what Colin's doing today, right? That's not the time to call, right? 
And I always think about people when it's not the time to call. <laughs> and so I never call people. And, you know, I've had things, well, you know, your fingers aren't broken. I'm like, no, they're not. But my mind is like, and you know this, like you should know. I don't, I don't mean any offense. You know, I love you and, and I want the best for you. But the relationship cultivating really hasn't developed for me until the last couple of years. It wasn't even as I became a Christian, just just lately, it's been on my heart. And I don't know. I think this it, church helps a lot, though. Maybe. Maybe. I don't, I don't, again, I don't think about what the, the root cause is. And it could very well be the, the men activities at this church. It mm-hmm. could be one of our guests that today is going to be Randy. And uh, he's the leader of men's activities at this church. And, and he really opened up his arms to me and accepted me into a lot of places. I'm not even a member of this church, right? My wife is, but I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I mentioned that they actually had me speak at one of the men's breakfasts. And I mentioned that at the end of it about how they were you know, Christ to me and accepting of me and opening up. I don't even belong here, right? And they're like admonishing me immediately like, nope, we don't care. We don't care about any of that. None of that matters to us, right? And and I was just using it for a statement and they wouldn't even let me do that. And so maybe this place is responsible for that. I don't know. I've never really given it deep thought. I always considered maybe that because of the way I, I am, that it's relationships are hard for me. And so by focusing on them, Maybe I'll be better at it. Yeah. Um, but I've always been really good at reading people. Mm-hmm. And before I was a Christian, I could read somebody and know that they're upset and I would just make it worse. Right. Because I'm inherently a mean, nasty person. I am an angry person. I take joy in hurting people. Right. I, and you know, you're, you're laughing. I'm dead serious. I'm a horrible human being. And if it wasn't for the provenient grace of God, if it wasn't for the love of Jesus, that flows in and through me, I would be that. If I lived in the flesh, if I just said, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to live in the flesh now. I would be that same mean person immediately. It is only by the grace of God, it is only by the love of Jesus that I can smile at people, that I can be grateful to people, that I care if someone is hurting. Like, what is this about? Like, I'm not pushing my thumb on them. Like, I'm like, what is this about? You know, I grew up, you know, with an abusive alcoholic mom and, and my dad was hardly ever around because he worked. Not because he didn't want to be there. He wasn't like the Azatee father by choice. He, he just worked a lot of hours. And there was no structure. And, and I had discipline because, you know, I got my stepmom and she would whoop my cookies. And he'd come home from work and he'd whoop my cookies. I'm thinking, I'm paying like three times for one mistake. And because I have ADHD, I'd forget. And so I would do it again. And I would get it again the next day. And they're like, won't you ever learn? I'm thinking, maybe not. I, I, don't, I don't think I can. <laughs> And it was a struggle for me. And so I got really good at reading faces and, and patterns in people. I could tell when people were upset with me. And, and then I came to a point in my life where I just stopped caring if people were mad at me or didn't accept me. And, and that's a great place for to be because then nothing bothers you, right? And, you know, you were talking about finding superpowers and trauma and be grateful. I'm grateful that I have a sense of humor that's born out of this. I'm grateful that I don't care what people think of me. Right. I don't, I don't care. You know, you like me, you don't like me. I don't care. My day is going to go on with or without you. I'm going to have the joy. I can't control the happiness of other people, but I can control how weird their day is going to be. And I love to make jokes and I love to, to poke fun. And I like to, you know, innocent, you know, if I see I hurt your feelings, I'll immediately apologize. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's something that Jesus gave me. Cause before I'd be like, <laughs> got you. <laughs> and I'm just very grateful for the love of God in my life. I'm very grateful that he has transformed me through trauma that I had growing up. And I'm so grateful that I do what I do now. I'm so grateful that even though some days I hate, I hate being an EMT sometimes. Yeah. When it's snowy. No, not just that. You know, it's, you get calls that you don't want to be on, right? You know, anything involving kids. I'm like, I don't want, I don't want that. And, or people that you go there and it's a DOA, right? And they're like, oh, that's easy. You don't have to do anything except the whole family's there crying. And you're like, oh, Everyone's so hurt right now. And it's so sensitive. It's like walking into a bruise. And it's it's the best way I can explain it. It's, you know, it's a very tender place to be. Like the air is thick with sadness. You can feel it. It's palpable, right? And it's just a different experience. I've, I never feel for the patients as much as I feel for the family for most of the things. And once in a while, I get impressed to talk to these people in the back of the ambulance. And we'll talk about Jesus and I'll pray for them and... and you know, I believe that God has really directed me into this path. And I wonder how long he's directed me that I was just not obedient because like, I forget, you know, and I was like, oh man, Jesus, 
is this something you wanted me to do like two years ago or like seven years ago? Like, did I, like I'm doing it now. Mm-hmm. But you got it. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, like I said, I learned things the hard way. Yeah. It's just the hard way. <laughs> yeah, Josh, I share that. I share that for sure. And I will say you two make an incredible team. I can't imagine you either one of you doing this without each other it's like such a power couple relationship here and so i'm grateful that shelly is on the one side the analytics and the mastermind and i'm i'm grateful that josh is here to speak the speak the truth and to put his heart out there and just leave it out there and i feel like the guests can pick up on your authenticity your transparency you'll go any which way because i feel like people who have overcome such like triumph right like what i'm hearing in your story there's a good quote that that i wanted to share about that is anyway the quote is it goes along the lines of for those whose sorrow and roots run as deep it allows them to unlock a deeper level of joy or appreciation it's like the deeper the roots go the higher the praise can go mm-hmm. And that resonates, man. And that's another reason for me why I'm so grateful for the upbringing that we, that I had, that we had. It's like, sure, I wouldn't want to go back and do it again, but I'm also so grateful because I'm able to experience such joy, such contentment, right? Mm -hmm. For, oh, I got food to, food to eat, water to drink. Like every day now is grace. Every day is just gravy. I'm just grateful to be alive. I'm Mm -hmm. grateful to be transformed in a brand new relationship with Jesus. And it's so every day is, it's just a blessing. Mm-hmm. Not easy. Not every day is easy. No, my goodness, no. <laughs> but it's a freaking blessing. If it was easy, we wouldn't need Jesus. Right. True. Right. If it was easy, anybody could do it. And and it would be really hard to say, hey, go make disciples of all nations. But Lord, everyone's content and happy and joyful. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Right. They're like, they don't believe in you because their life is going great. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it works. This world is hard. You know, kids do get sick. It's not God's fault that that happens. It's our fault. We're the ones that progressed the way we did. We're the ones that let ourselves go so far. We use carcinogens in almost everything we do and in the air and in the water. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, well, God did this. Like we blame him for everything, but we never give him credit for all the great things. Like what a beautiful place. God made this. Leave that out of there. God did this to like, Mm -hmm. what are you thinking? (laughs) Oh man, I'd love to stick up for him, (laughs) which is funny because he doesn't need me. (laughs) At all. Yeah, but he's he's an, he's using you. Absolutely. No, that's, that's part of how I worship. I'm not a good singer. My wife knows this, and I could barely keep rhythm. I might have no rhythm. I can't even play basketball. I have zero rhythm. And so I can't even sing and clap at the same time without having a problem. And I still, I, you know, I give him a joyful noise. You know, I get like a goose honking of joy. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people think of worshiping Jesus with song. And that's not, you know, that's not it that's like a that's a fraction of what it is you know being obedient is worshiping him living your life as a, as a living sacrifice to god is worship standing up for god when someone is wrong not because you're mad at the person but because you want to correct them and let them know who god really is that's worshiping god mm-hmm. right and so i worship in my ways and and he created me through my trauma through my life to be a very confrontational person if i'm not being confrontational to somebody who needs it that's because I'm something is staying my hand, right? Jesus is telling me don't. But for the most part, I'm like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 right? And I have no intent of trying to hurt people's feelings when I engage in conversation. It, it's really just to say you're not correct, right? That's not, you're, you're interpreting it wrong. Somebody who claimed that Jesus was his Lord said something or did something to you to make you feel that this is who God is, that this is the character of Jesus, and, and they were wrong. Right? We're people. We're fallible. Mm-hmm. And part of the, the, the Great Commission is the part we don't realize is that it's not just that we're told to tell people and make disciples, but we represent the very image of God Almighty. And that is a huge and awesome weight. Right, We're diplomats. We're ambassadors for God. So what we do reflects on him poorly or well. And so when we treat people like, so you can't come to heaven or you can't do that because you're a sinner, because you've got a sexual sin that nobody likes, find someone who doesn't, right? And that's not what God calls us to do. If God wouldn't talk to me until I cleaned my stuff up, I'd be that Josh I talked about before because he would never come to me. Mm -hmm. I would never clean my stuff up willingly. 
And if I, if I did want to do it, I couldn't, right? I cannot do it without him. I still struggle in many areas, especially if I get mad. Like if I, I work 24-hour shifts. So I come off 24-hour shift and I'm real testy then. I'm introverted. I need time alone. And my son's like, dad, dad, he's, he's cyber schooled. Dad, dad, dad. I'm like, what? Right? He doesn't like, have like, anyone to talk to besides us. Yeah. Right? And so I'm losing my mind and I'll go out in traffic and someone will pull out in front of me and I'll say things that are very unchristian-like. And, you know, if I'm by myself, I'm able to correct myself and I'll pray that the people in front of me aren't going to have an experience for the rest of the day that makes them angry, that makes them sad, that makes them upset because of something I did. Right. I pray that their day is better. And I don't I don't just pray for forgiveness, like, oh Lord, forgive me, and everything's all fine. I'm like, man, I, I I pray that I did not hurt them. Right. And I think that's the heart we need to come to is when we have these relationships with other people across the planet, because we're built for a relationship, that we need to take in consideration that that person who did that, while insensitive to your needs, may have something going on that you don't know about. Maybe their dog just died. Maybe their sister just went to the hospital for eclampsia, right? Who knows, Yeah. right? And so they may not be thinking about you at all. They may have just got fired or they may just be going out to get milk and they're like, oh, I forgot to get in this left lane. We have no idea. We have no way of knowing without knowing that person. And yet we're so quick to fire off, not even judgment, but execution, right? We don't even judge them. We just execute whatever verdict we want on them. You're guilty, guilty, guilty. Like I didn't even weigh it. And I'm just letting it off. I'm like, all right, Lord, well, that's just me being dumb. There's always more to the story than we could see, that we could even comprehend. We always try to put things into a, a label. And that's a great reminder is to say, I don't know. Mm-mm. It's like, I know nothing. This person could be rushing to the hospital to save their loved ones. And that's something that I try to remind myself time and time again. There's always somebody who's doing something wrong in our world. It's usually me. Yeah, it's usually Josh. There's there's always somebody effing stuff up. Like that's where the the invitation for acceptance comes. You're not going to go outside, look at the sky and be like, I think the the sun should be over there. Right. Nobody's going to say that. But humans are of God and of nature. And so but all the time people go out and say I think that person should be doing this. Mhm. It's nonsensical. I know, I know what's best for other people and they should just listen. Yeah. To, especially if I didn't even say it, they should just know what's on my heart and mind to not do those things. And, <laughs> and I get frustrated when they don't, you know? Right. <laughs> does, does that sound insane to anybody else? We all do it. We all do it. It's a process to work into a place of acceptance. And Shelly, what was the quote again about qualifying? God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That's so good. That gives me chills. And it reminds me of just all of our journeys of stepping out, being obedient. I don't want to do this, but God's calling me to do it. Step in. Obedience comes with full and total submission. And I used to pray, and I know Shelly remembers this because I think the first time I prayed, it was at the last church where it was a simple way, as a Sabbath church. And uh, I prayed out loud to everybody. It's like, I pray that God would kill me. And they were like stunned. It's like, not like physically, but kill the part of me that wants to be disobeyed. Kill the part of me that wants to do what it wants to do. To kill the part of me that is not in alignment with his will, right? Because that's what, that's what we should all pray. Like, God, please kill me. Take away this. Like, And I know that you're gentle and I know you're going to prune it and make it so that it reaps a good harvest and, and such. And, and eventually you'll have that. But like, I'm cool with it. Like, hurt me. Mm-hmm. Like, make it hurt. Like, take this away from me. And if I cry about it, then great. Then give me the moment to cry about it like a baby and then let me come back and and worship you because I'm going to come back. I remember hard times where I would praise him. When I first became a Christian, I went through a a struggle, like a big struggle. And I remember saying, like, you know what? I remember Job praised you and I didn't know much about the Bible then. I didn't even understand why Jesus had to die for us when I first came. I just understood that he did, right? And I said, I just, I know we're supposed to do this, so praise you, God. And I don't know why I'm praising you. And boy, did everything change for me. Even something as simple as I didn't understand, and it changed for me. Throughout this whole conversation, I've been thinking about Job a lot. It, like, it does remind me of praising him for the good, praising him during the bad. And if we're able to do that, then there's always just a lesson to be learned, grace to be received, grace for the 24, and... 
So I think throughout this message, we've got to this point of trusting God. And I think I've learned and taken a lot from this conversation. I hope I've been able to give something and serve during this conversation because I know that it's impacted me. And so I thank you. Thank you for coming. And I look forward to hearing your podcast. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. Will you guys come on? Absolutely. Dope. More than once. Yeah, please. One of the cool things I learned about the, tw the 12 steps. So for anybody out there who's suffering with addiction or suffering with any form of addiction, there's so many amazing groups out there. There's people meeting all the time, all around the world. Somebody told me that the 10 steps or the 10 commandments are what not to do to live a Christian life. And the 12 steps are what to do to live a Christian life. So the 12 steps are applicable for anybody. It's a beautiful, progressive thing to go through with another Christian, another believer. And they have personally transformed my life. I don't know if you've ever looked into them or done them, but it's just a plug for anybody out there suffering with addiction. There's so much free help out there. There's so many willing people that have walked the path that you're walking now and that there's a better way. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to do it by yourself. That's key. That's right. key is that you're not alone. There's tons of willing souls out there who will take your hand just like Jesus would, and they'll walk you through. They'll walk you through for free. Yep. There's support groups in Facebook, even if you can't get out to an actual group group in person, they're out there. 100%. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, listener, for listening. And with that, we, uh, we'd like to say that if you'd like to come alongside us in this journey, we have a fundraising campaign that helps us with this audio editing cost. And if you'd like to help us with that, you go to givesengo.com, look up God's Goodness Podcast, and then you can make your donation there. And with that, we'll talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.